Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Kyle. But you know I got Soul and Stereo Podcast is back. I've got Tom with me. I've got Ed with me. And I've got a special guest in the house. Tom, who's the special guest? Uh, I have the pleasure to introduce a good friend of ours, Zeppelin, uh, contributor, contributor of ours, uh, now doing his thing down in D.C., uh, huge R&B supporter and fan. So glad to have you, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate being on it. So Zeppelin, you caught us at a perfect time. This is the podcast that everyone's been waiting on. Usher's new album dropped, Hard to Love. Um, I mean, we've been pretty critical of Usher over the past 20-something episodes, and it's finally reached a point where we're able to talk about Usher and his album. But we'll get into that later. Um, Tom, I think a lot of great music from some other artists have dropped recently. Um, Dave Hollister being one. Um I think As Yet was another one, right? Uh, I actually didn't even know As Yet was coming out, honestly, until our good friend DJ Soulchild told us, which is kind of sad since we're pretty much supposed to be on top of everything in R&B. So, Ed, you had a chance to hear it, though. I did, and it was surprisingly solid. And not nothing against As Yet for when it comes to their talent. But I was surprised that we got something that solid that was released so quietly. You're right. If it wasn't for the homie, shout out my boy, Soul Child, we would have completely, this would have flown under our radar. But it was a very well-crafted, very back-to-basic, soulful R&B record. It was filled with a bunch of covers. And it's really a good time. I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm glad that the group is back together. I recently wrote a piece on kind of a perspective on As Yet. And a number of apparently Mark Nelson's family hit me up and was like, he's not in the group. So I don't know if he's in the group or not, but whoever is in this incarnation of Ajax, good job, solid album. But then we've had, we also had, I think we talked about Anthony David and uh, Kindred the Family Soul last time. They came out at the end of the month. Um, then we've got, I think, one more album this month for R&B. It's slipping my mind right now, though. But October um, will be after, after. Is it after seven? No, they're next month. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah. Um, I'll let's, right, get right, let's get right into Usher, man. I mean, put the suspense here. You want to talk about Usher? <laughs> um, actually, before we get into Usher, I'm just kidding. We'll oh get into Usher now. We'll get into. <laughs> we'll get into Usher. Zeppelin, are you ready for this? What's up? Okay, so um, I'll let Zeppelin take the first stab at this. Um, all first right. of all, Hard to Love, Usher's eighth studio album, came out on Friday. Have you had a chance to listen to it yet? You know, I haven't listened to it uh, in its entirety. I've heard a couple of songs off of it. Um, so, yeah, I can't sit here and actually say I was uh, I was anticipating it. Um, so, yeah, no, nah, I haven't, man, to be honest. What is your earliest re- re- uh, memories of Usher? Man, ah, that's an amazing question. My earliest memories of Usher, sheesh. I don't know, man. I feel like I saw him on one of those, like, magazine covers, shirtless or something, man, when I was, like, really young. Like, I don't know, uh when he was kind of like in, you know, the heyday selling eight, nine million, you know, 10 million albums, man. Um, first song wise though, since I'm, I'm still pretty young, 
probably something off of 8701. Uh, I don't know, maybe something like You Got It Bad or, or one of those. I think it was probably my first memory of Usher. I think your perspective is interesting, though. You're younger than us. Yeah. You're years younger than Kyle. What does Usher even mean to your generation? Well, I think Great that, question. I think that he is a legendary figure in the sense that he has probably across the board one classic album. I think everybody can agree with that, depending on how deep you are into his music, you know, maybe two. Um, and so anybody that has been able to produce you know, one or at least two classic albums go diamond um, and have a, a constant string of number one hits, I definitely think, uh, you know, means a lot. So for my generation, he's still a a mega superstar figure. At this point right now, though, it's kind of like he's like the young uncle, you know, oh. coming to the cookout, still kind of child oh, with him. You know, it's it's like that sort of thing. Like, he's still cool because you know of his history, but it's like he's still, like I said, he's like the young uncle trying to to seem hip or, you know, trying to get down with the the kids. So I think currently that's kind of like the the current. And this is no shade at Usher. I mean, he's an absolute legend, you know, spectacular figure. But the music, I don't think, is, uh, you know, living up to, to, to what his past catalog has been. I don't know. Well, how do you all feel about that? That sounds like a good well, segue. Well, it's a edge. It sounds like a good segue into your review. Tied right into well, the what you were talking even about. before I get to the review, I just want to follow up a little bit on what Zeppelin said because he's probably like the youngest of the group right now. He remembers Usher from eighty-seven oh one. I remember Usher all the way back at the Poetic Justice soundtrack, and if old heads like me remember him on that single cover. Lil Usher looked like he was about 11 years old, wearing that yellow jacket like he was from Kill Bill. That is the Usher I remember. Usher grew up with me. He's probably like maybe like a few a year older than me, is that. So Usher, I really grew up with his career. So I've seen him through that, through the 94 album that no one seems to remember, to the big album with My Way. I've seen his career just across the board. So to see Usher grow from this young artist, just a young R&B artist in the game trying to get his footing, to superstar, to megastar, to a person dropping classic albums and leading the genre, and now going back to hard to love, now we're seeing a brother who's trying to grasp at relevancy by doing what everybody else does. It's very painful because that's not the Usher that we have seen grow over these past 20-so years of R&B. We've seen him lead. We've seen him take charge. We've seen him be a trendsetter. But now he's just imitating what everybody else is doing. And that is showing in his music, and that's why this album is so weak. Well, before Ed, before you go into trashing it, let's talk about some of the positives because we like to keep it positive on You Know I Got So as well. Well, maybe not so much on So In Stereo, but... I'm, you know I got so. real like on so and stereo. That's all it is. It can be real positive or real whatever, but we just keep it real. Okay, the positives. The songs that he is actually singing on, he sounds great. Amazing, amazing. That song, Tell Me, that song is classic Usher. The only issue I have with it is, number one, it kind of 
kind of um, overstates his welcome a little bit. It's like almost 10 minutes long or something, if I remember. It also just lacked a little bit of lasting power. Like, we can easily remember that song because it stands out because everything else is so weak. But compared to everything else he has done, that song doesn't really stand out on its own. It's somewhat forgettable. We remember it because it's surrounded by such weak material, but we know that even though it's good, it could be a lot better. So, yeah, that, I do think that's one of the album highlights, but when everything is such a low light, it's easy for it to shine a little brighter, if you feel me. Okay, now let me, so we've had an, a positive comment. I'll give you a neutral comment. Some of the songs, they could be good, but Usher manages to ruin the song by either featuring Future on the record oh boy. or rap or rapping himself, like on the song Bump. And let me address a few things, because as you, anyone who has seen my review that was posted on You Know I Got Soul, there has been some comments in the comment section, there have been some tweets I've gotten, some emails I've gotten, and you know, with every review comes with people defending an artist, that's cool. But let me address a few things. One of the things that I saw a lot of people saying was in my review, I criticized Usher's rap singing, quote-unquote, and they were saying, well, you know Usher, if you listen, if you're a real Usher fan, you know he was rapping all the way back on the My Way album. Look, player, this isn't my name is U-S-H-E-R-R-A-Y-M-O-N-D. Rapping like that, okay, we know dude isn't rock him, but that fits the scene. The issue I have is this rap-slash-singing deal that a lot of younger artists are doing. And that's not even pseudo-rap bars. We're talking about this talk singing stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about, where artists just kind of... Jeremiah. (laughs) Jeremiah, yeah. (laughs) Who's that brother that sings the the Brownstone song, Kyle? Um, Tori, what you call him? Tori Lane. Shout out to Canada. Oh, yeah. He's another one. People who just talk through their verses instead of actually singing. That is what Usher is doing. And he has, this is Usher, one of the best voices out. Why are you doing this? You have no reason to do this. So I have no problem with rapping, but don't pretend to sing when we know you can. Tom, you know, you and I had this, well, Tom, you and I had this conversation about the Usher album. We felt like it sounded like a Trey Songz album or a Bryson Tiller album. Well, I want to get Zeppelin's opinion real quick on something because obviously he's going for radio success. Uh, um, Zeppelin, you're kind of around the radio scene. So, you know, he's had previous radio singles that have done well. Good Kisser has done well. That stripper song, whatever, did well. Zeppelin, what's like the feeling that you that you get, you know, around the radio scene? Are, you know, are are people excited, you know, to play these new records? Are they still going hard for Usher because he's a legend, like, Halloween. Yeah, well, I, I think that it's it, it's twofold, right? Because, uh, you know, radio is number one. It's driven off of the, the celebrity appeal, and Usher's still very much a celebrity, regardless of what the music sounds. He's still an A-list celebrity, right? So there's, there's no issue that I've ever seen with... Uh, you know, radio uh, playing an Usher song from, you know, I Don't Mind to Good Kisser to the, the No Limit record. Um, but but the second point, uh, and, and I kind of wanted to add, as you were talking, you know, I was thinking of this and I was thinking about 
um, you know, Usher's catalog in general. Mm -hmm. And even though he has always historically been in the forefront, to, to kind of play devil's advocate a little bit, I think that Usher has always, his sound has always been a product of what producers he's been working with. Um, so while I do agree that he's been a, a, a trendsetter, uh, in 04, Usher, you know, he, he dropped Yeah, which is, you know, Lil John's the biggest producer at that point in time. You know, when, when in, in, the, in the 90s, he comes into the game working with Puff, who's the biggest producer. Then he goes to Jermaine Dupree, who's coming off of massive success in the South, right? So right now, if we look at his production list, he's working with some of the top producers, and he's doing what he's always done. It's not like Usher was the D'Angelo or the, the Maxwell, the person who's taking time to kind of craft his own sound. He's always just kind of, you know, got in where he fit in and worked with the top producers. So, you know, are, are, is it is it less about the, you know, the music that we're talking about nowadays, or is it is it really Usher, or is it more just kind of the music that's being produced nowadays in regards to R&B? Well, see, that's a great point, and I wanted to bring that up, too, because the Usher Defenders brought that up, too. And, yeah, it was the perfect song that I wanted to mention. A lot of people were saying, when I criticized No Limit and Bump and songs like that, where I felt like Usher was downplaying what he could do, they the first thing they said is, well, yeah, is great. Remember, yeah, yeah, is just a fun song. He's not really singing on yeah. And to your point, that song is a product of the hot sound at the moment, which was mm -hmm. Lil, Lil John. So let's take it like this. Look at what Yeah did. When Yeah, when Usher sang over that Yeah beat, he was the first to actually take that crunk sound, make it R&B, and look how many clones came after it, the Sierras and the thousands of other songs. It drove me nuts. And just for disclosure here, I can't stand Yeah. I hate that song. But the point is Usher's Yeah was the first of its kind. It took a beat that was very popular, a sound that was popular. He made it R&B. He made it a sound that was that would go on to kind of influence the game for another year and a half. Now let's look at No Limit. When you hear No Limit, that's not, oh, this is, a, this is different for Usher, but it's on a kind of a current beat. The first thing you say is, oh, this sounds like a Trey Song song. Because the thing is different because he's not trendsetting anymore. He's taking a sound that's already been done and following everybody else. Instead of taking, if he took that beat and did something different with it, then we have, you have a great argument because, again, he's pushing the genre forward. It's not so much the beat. It's what he's doing with it. And what he's doing with it this time is doing what everybody else is doing instead of doing what Usher does and finds a new lane for R&B. That's why this album is so disappointing. Not the beats, because he took the easy path. No, Ed, you're, absolute, you're absolutely right on that. Like, for me personally, No Limit, I gave him a pass on that. I feel like every mainstream artist, if they're going to put out a single, it's going to sound something that's trendy, that's, that you know, sounds like everything else on the radio. I think the problem that I at least have with the album, and I think you guys can speak for it itself, is... There's too many of those type of records on the album. If it was just that, like on Confessions, Yeah was the only one of its type on that album. 
No Limit. There's like four other ones that sound exactly like No Limit. And they all sound like rejects and copies of stuff we've heard better done from younger artists in the past. That's the problem. Future. You know what's a shame, though? It's like, <laughs> when we interviewed Jermaine Dupree a few months ago, you could tell, we asked him about Usher, and it's like you could tell he would love the chance to create another Confessions with Usher. But he didn't get that chance. And it's almost like he had to bite his tongue about speaking about the new music, talk about how he had a new record coming with Future. I'm sure Jermaine was really excited to hear that one. But really, mm-hmm. I mean, the fans would love the Confessions Part 2. Why can't we have a Confessions Part 2? Anyone well, see, I brought hint? this up. I brought this up in my review. I'm okay without a Confessions Part 2. Like, if we get one cool, but I'm okay with not having that. I'm okay with letting that work stand on its own, because the second he drops an album called Confessions 2, it's going to be inevitably re- compared to that first one. And that's a super high bar to set, especially with an artist late in his career as Usher. Usher's a young guy. He's probably in his mid-30s, but he's been in the game a long time. So just being honest, his peak has passed. Just being real, sorry, Usher fans, his peak has passed. So it's going to be very hard for him to go back to that sound, especially if you call something Confessions too. If he wants to take something in that lane and kind of build on it, cool. But directly comparing it, I think it's going to be kind of problematic for him. But, again, the point is what he needs to do is to just develop a new sound instead of falling back on either his older stuff or what the youngins are doing now. Because you don't, when you're an artist who has always led the pack, you never want to be the person following somebody else. It just doesn't make sense to me. Even if following somebody else is following your old stuff, like it's not going to work. Hmm. Yep. Now, on to some other news regarding Usher. So we talked about the album and what we thought of the album. Now comes the fun part. First week projections are out for the album. Um, let me give you some perspective on this, all right, guys? So Tyrese Black Rose sold 78000 first week, okay? Maxwell first week, I think, sold about 50000 first week. You guys still with me here? Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's favorite or Ed's favorite person to talk about on Twitter, Sierra with the Jackie oh. album, sold $25,000 first week. Usher is projected to sell twenty to $23,000 first week. Mm. Let, that sink, let that sink in for a second. Mm. That's really bad. Mm. That's... <laughs> That, remember, I mean, this is it, Usher. <laughs> it's like you can't even. Laugh, I can't even laugh. You know, I don't want to. I don't like to laugh because it's like almost. No, like, you don't want. We're, we're not rooting for his downfall here. I mean, it's just yeah. mad to hear that. I don't it's, even know what to say. It's almost unbelievable. Well, can I give you some more numbers? Fantasia's last album, thirty-two thousand. And hey, we're you, talking about what was what was Usher's album before this? How much do you know the first week sales of that? Looking for myself sold 120,000. Wow. Well, yeah. I, I will say it's a little unfair to compare that because that album had, he still had a little bit more luster and Climax was pretty huge. So Right, right, right. I was, I was just trying to see the, you know, the drop off, how, how big it was. But, 
Yes, that's a drop-off. And, again, before, you know, folks are like, oh, you just love to kick them when they're down, Ed. Look, player, I want R&B to thrive, and if that means Usher sells 500000 in his first week, great, because it's great for the genre. But this is the first, and I was telling Kyle this before the call, this is the first time I have ever reviewed an Usher album, and people were saying, I didn't know Usher had an album coming out. This is Usher. This isn't as yet that just dropped, where people were like, oh, we didn't know that was out. This is Usher, and people don't know the album is out. That is a huge mark against you. I don't know what was going on with the promo, with that rollout, but something failed. And if these numbers are true, again, we don't know if these are solid yet. My man Kyle has the inside scoop. So if he says it's this, it's most likely going to be this. But yeesh. There is something that really fell through, and I think that between the rollout, between alienating the core fans, kind of catering the younger fans who, yeah, will stream low limit but not really check out the album, I think that it's going to be a wake-up call. Well, I mean, to be fair, Usher did go off to film that movie, the, the boxing movie, Hands of Stone, so that took about two years of his time. But roundtable discussion here. Um, 2014, Good Kisser, she came to give it to you with Nicki Minaj, I Don't Mind with Juicy J. What if he put out the album then as opposed to now? Same result? I don't I don't know what happened. Good Kisser was a great song that, yep. once again, that's a song that pushed R&B forward because it really sounded unique. It sounded like a Usher song. When you heard it, you knew exactly who it was. Once You didn't say, oh, I wonder who this is. You know, it's Usher. And I don't know what happened between that and now, but that batch of singles just kind of fell by the wayside. We got this album, and something just really dropped home. I think we would be talking about a much stronger album if he dropped it a couple years ago. Yeah, Tom and I were talking. Yeah, I mean, Tom, I think you, you kind of just predicted that he may have scrapped that, that whole album and started over. Yeah, I, I don't know why label pressures or whatever, but it is what it is, you know. He, there's screenshots of him in the studio with Jermaine Dupree and Brian Michael Cox. Recording oh, I remember that. Yes, I remember that. So where did that even come from? I don't I don't know. I, 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 I remember, uh, and I know he's not R&B, but listening to a, uh, I want to say uh, a Jay-Z interview one time where they were talking about him getting back in the studio with uh, with Just Blaze and being able to kind of recreate some of those past hits they had. And, and he said that they got in there a couple times, but they were never able to really come out with a tangible product because the bar is set so high. Right. How much of a factor do you think that might be when Usher gets in there with Jermaine and, and Brian Michael Cox and and, you know, people who he has instinct, I mean, you know, world classics with for, you know, decades and decades of from now, people are still going to be listening to. How hard do you think that there's that pressure to maybe uh, top those moments? And so because they haven't been able to, they just kind of, you know, scrap whatever in order to preserve the legacy that they've set? Uh, I mean, it's a a great question. Can I ask a, a question, a rebuttal question? What has Just Blaze ever done outside of Jay-Z and a few Joe Button records? 
I mean, Just Blaze had, oh, had, 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 had he had a string of hits. I mean, with the uh, with the diplomat, oh. with the he the had diplomat. Oh come on, you can't you can't act like the diplomats or anything talented. I mean, oh, in the in the early in the, <laughs> the early two thousands. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Joel Santana and uh, and what's my other guy's name in diplomats? Not Jim, but the other one, um, Cameron. And Cameron. Wow. Kind of ran, kind of ran things. I mean, they, they, they were, they were up there, right? Like they were kind of superstars for that time period. You know, you, you must have missed a few podcasts. I, I said oh, hip hop died in like ninety eight, ninety nine. So I don't I mean, acknowledge anything after that. Yeah, <laughs> and then I got my plane ticket and booked a flight to go up there and um, throw down with the homie because nine. <laughs> come on now, play right now. What? That, 2007, then maybe we can talk. 98, 99, please. Plenty of classics. We, we, we still had hits coming in the early 2000s for for, for hip hop. You know, we had some classic yeah. what cla- right, Name these classics. Hold up, hold up. What do we got? Speaker Box Love Below. Uh, Listen to the silence. Listen to I, the silence, please. Remember please, something. Just, no, I don't no, acknowledge, no, I don't no, acknowledge Southern. For your homie. I don't acknowledge Southern <laughs> hip hop, man. Southern hip hop has never existed to me. So. Okay, that's fine. The college, the college dropout, late registration, graduation. No, uh, I wouldn't call graduation. I wouldn't put graduation up there. With yeah, them. I, I wouldn't that, put graduation. Those two, yes. The first two, yeah. The third one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're forgetting <laughs> about Blueprint and Steelmatic and and there we go. This first album, my gosh. No, let me go with. No, let me turn it to a hip hop. Okay, we got a couple albums in like two decades, so all right, whatever. Moving on. (laughs) We do have classics, though, but but, but back to the the question, how do you all feel about that? You know, like, there being that uh, maybe a little bit of hesitancy. Well, I mean, it's a Um, great point. Now that Kyle, I mean, Tomlinson got my blood pressure up because he knows how to do that expertly. But, I mean, it goes back to what I was saying about the Confessions 2 type deal that so many fans want. Like, the bar is just too high. And a lot of times when you create something that great, you're in a certain mind space, you're in a certain place in your life, and 10 years, 20 years removed from that, it's hard to revisit that magic. You can slap a number on it and be like, this Confessions 2, this is such and such 2. I'm not going to name any artists that recently had a part 2 to their album trying to capitalize on old fame because I don't want Tom to get me in trouble. But oh, I'm a chill. I'm a chill, Tom. I'm a chill. So what we're talking about is revisiting that and recapturing that magic, and it just can't be done by getting the same people in place or changing your album title. It has to do with an experience, and that's not always something that can be easily replicated. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, like, my answer is, does Usher even create music? Like, from the way it seems throughout his career, music was handcrafted for him based on maybe he's told what he was going through. They made the music for him and he recorded it. Has Usher even been ever involved in any creative process? Oh, well, see that, I don't know. I always so assume that there is kind of like a half and half deal. Like there's definitely some things that are put on his plate, but then he has to step up and deliver from his personal experience. And I don't know the answer to that one. Kyle, do you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking at his writing credits right now. Um, he is on the writing credits, but I mean, Beyonce's on the writing credits for every song too. So, it might be the same. Might be, might be the same deal. It might not. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Um, Don't give me another about Beyonce's writing credits. 
<laughs> now, another interesting point is, uh, so one of the downfalls or one of the reasons why we believe, you know, he didn't sell as much. Number one, I think primarily we could all agree the music just didn't connect with his core audience. Um, number two, I think we can say promo had something to do with it, which I, I want to get into later. But number three, what about the album cover? I don't think people even realize that was Usher. <laughs> what is that, a rock? I don't know. <laughs> it's a bust, homie. One of my shout-out to my boy Luke James, a fellow reviewer. He was like, why is there a bust of Larry Fishburne on this album cover? <laughs> oh. Oh and goodness. the point is, like, you have to have something that resonates again with your listeners, and I guess that's supposed to be Usher. I don't know who that well, the, is. Well, the album cover doesn't even say Usher anywhere. It just says Hard to Love. So if you don't yeah, even recognize, true. so that's a problem. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, guys, last Usher question before uh, we leave it and we talk about some other R&B stuff. Are you guys ready for this one? Twenty thousand first week. Is Usher done as a R and B slash pop international superstar? Is that is that over for him? I think it's a little too soon to say it's over. Like it's a wrap. Like you know, retirement. Like hang the jersey from the rafters. Like I feel like it's a little too early for that. But if these numbers are what we say, if the album is what it is and he stands by it, and if he tries to follow up again and we get another dud, it might be a wrap on it. Well, we've seen other artists go through this, a similar thing. I mean, what was the last time Mariah had like a successful album? Is she still a global superstar? That's that's exactly what I was thinking. That when when you asked that, that was exactly what I was thinking about. It's yeah. like. I think that once you attain a certain status that they've achieved, uh, while you might not be popular amongst the youth, you know, he can always go anywhere overseas and, you know, he can do a residency in, in, in Las Vegas at this point, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's certain things that once you achieve a certain status that right. you just lose, you know, barring your own personal life doesn't kind of spiral haywire out of control, but... You know, so I don't think that he, you know, has to to hang it up as a global superstar, but just he might not be relevant amongst the youth anymore for his music. It's interesting because that's what Mariah actually did, and that's what actually Boyz II Men did, who were also huge at one point. And now, obviously, they're not at the same level of success, but they did that. They could go overseas, you know, and do that Las Vegas residency. So Usher's probably in the same boat, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think Tony Braxton did it as well. But it's you know, one other thing that we forget is that I feel like every artist, every major artist has that one album in their catalog that's the dud. It's like everybody has the one bad album. And really he's, I, 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 uh, he's he's had more than one. Well, I'm talking dud. <laughs> We're talking like really bad. And Raymond Ver, Raymond versus Raymond. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> but Raymond versus Raymond is not hard to love, trust me. Like, it's, uh, it's down there, but it's not that down there. And I feel like... It's moments of classic Usher, too. Right. And I, this yeah. is the only one where it's like complete, wow, what were you thinking? That one, 
which I had erased from my memory until just now, that I almost want to take back my statement. But I still say that every artist has that one album that's like, ooh. And, you know, Usher has this one. He can rebound. Are we going to get another five-star classic down the line? I don't know. But I don't think it's soon enough that we should write him off just yet. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that Usher, I'm sure that uh, L.A. Reed will probably wind up signing him again as he has everybody else and, and trying to recreate one more magical album with him uh, in the near future. So it wouldn't yep, be that's, impressive. That's exactly what Tom and I was talking were talking about. Like, just the promo for this album, it doesn't seem like it's there. So I think this might be his last album on RCA, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Um, my prediction, you're right, he'll either sign with L.A. Reed at Epic or he might go to uh, Rock Nation. He seems to be really tight, like crazy. Yeah. He's part of the whole title crew. He might go over to Rock Nation. That's a that's that's a that's another good point. There's you know there's just like so many uh, different logistics that we don't kind of see that happen behind the scenes. You know, I wonder how much of him being on title played a factor in the promotion that maybe RCA gave him or didn't give him. Um, you know, based off their relationships with some of the other streaming services. Because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he did a couple of exclusive releases uh, for at least singles and videos, right, off this album? Just yep. like title exclusive. You know, so those sorts of things probably, uh, you know, play a factor in some of these marketing meetings when they talk about how hard or, you know, what they're going to do to kind of help boost an artist's sales. So, you know, I think it all plays a factor, and it's just kind of uh, time for him to maybe look for a new home. Yeah, the yep. two or three and people who uh, subscribed the title must have been really excited about those releases. <laughs> uh, <I don't> know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so I'm thinking right now, guys. So, correct me if I'm wrong. The the biggest pop R&B stars, or at least to me, in my generation, it would be Beyonce, Usher, Justin Timberlake, and the next person. I think. I don't know if she's going to fall victim to what Usher just went through, but that's Alicia Keys. Do you see her going through the same thing? I, I really struggle to figure out what's going on with Alicia right now. Like, I don't – and it has nothing to do with her no make, makeup campaign, which I actually think is pretty cool. But as far as just her direction and music, and it's just, she just seems all over the place right now. So I hope that we get something a little bit more solid. I don't want to put her in that category yet. But I don't know. She's a big question mark. You know what? I'm going to say no only because Alicia creates her own music. Right? So at the end of the day, when we talk about Usher, we talk about Mariah Carey, Tony Braxton, even Boys to Men, we're talking about people who historically have had to kind of rely on producers and songwriters to feed them to a certain extent. Whereas Alicia has known, been known for her ability to kind of create her own music. And so I think she's always going to be able to tap that genuine place that, uh, you know, we love so much in artists. She's always going to be able to do that, which is why I don't think she'll fall as low as, you know, we've kind of placed Usher in this conversation. Uh, you know, that's, that's just my opinion on Alicia. Yeah, but I think, and you're a radio guy, you, you might know this, but she's in a dangerous place right now because she's not, can't really appeal to the younger audience. I mean, I mean, she can't make music for hip-hop radio at this point. And I don't think she's going to try to strive to go strictly urban AC. So what is her route? I mean, 
if you spin crossover pop in the past, I don't know. The Adele sound. To do that. The huh? Adele sound. The Adele sound. Well, yeah. that's the thing. The Adele sound is like the, the only option. Can she do it? Uh, mm. man. It depends. I, I think mean, she, she can. I mean, she still has name value, too. Don't forget that. Uh, I don't know, Tom. I'll, I'll make sure. I'll make sure to think, prep your uh, night call for you. I think Can't Alicia's wait. maybe. I think she's about one hit away. Alicia has always seemed to just be one hit away from you know reclaiming that spot. I just want to know where it's playing. Which radio format? How important? I mean, and I know we're not getting into the, this conversation, but you know how important is that? I mean, for sales, that's a huge part of it. You know, well, you I mean, I asked us if it was important to him. But, 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 hold on now. Let's 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 look at some of these albums that have sold very well that did not. Oh have leading, no, it didn't have leading rate like Frank Ocean had no radio single at all and did very well his first week. That's among a the, different among animal. The kitty, among the kitty, among the yeah, that's that's a different because, era. The thing with Usher, I mean, um, geez, Usher on the brain. The thing with Frank is that he had like four or five years of Bill, all that weird stuff where he was making stares on the freaking internet. Like he just had so much mystique about him that people were just going to buy it. He could have just put out a blank CD and people would have copped it. So I think that it's hard to compare him to the standard. Okay, so then that we'll just go ahead and exclude obviously then, you know, Beyonce and and that and, and Kanye. We'll exclude both of them too, right? Right, because again, these okay, artists okay. that you're naming always have like it's not even the music, it's more like their antics, so to speak. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a move people are buying into a movement at that point. Beyonce Exactly. You know, doesn't necessarily need the same type of promo that an Alicia Keys would. You know, I, it's it's tough. I mean, but I, I think that we we can agree though that an artist in 2016 does not need a huge radio single to sell records. All right, let me ask you this straight up: If Alicia Keys were to drop a surprise album tonight, how successful yeah. would it be? I think it depends what the campaign was, what else the campaign was surrounding around. I think like the her own marketing, I think makes a you know, a difference. Like, for instance, I think of J. Cole's album that dropped in 2014. He he crafted a marketing campaign that was kind of about this homecoming type of theme, and he just dropped the, the body of work, right? So even though he didn't have a lead single, there was still his own marketing that he kind of crafted around it. So if she did it right now, there's been no, no marketing at all. So obviously, Business 101 says, you know, unless you're just, your demand is that high, which it's not for Alicia, then it's probably not going to do well. However, if she's able to create some sort of demand before dropping, uh, I, th- I think that she could do pretty decent, at least 50000 The thing well, is, Kira, though, I, feel, I, I agree uh, if there was demand before dropping. I don't think, I don't think there is a demand. Scenario, yeah. I think it could be. But in Tom's scenario, if she just dropped tonight, right. I don't think she no. would move. No, no, not at all. Not at all. But I think you can create a demand. You can create a demand without music, and I think that's what we've kind of seen, and that's what you all have kind of hinted on too. Like Kanye, Frank Ocean, 
Beyonce, they create demands. Uh, Adele as well. They've been able to create a demand without the music. I wouldn't put Adele in that category. I think she's one of the few that creates demand with her music. But I feel like that's a different market. And call me an old codger, old cranky curmudgeon, but I like when people drop hot songs and then you buy it off of that instead of just, like, talking junk on Twitter and then creating movements around that. I re- it really kind of annoys me that people buy into movements before we actually hear product. It's just backwards to me. But, I mean, 2016 is working, so yeah. what do I know? Yeah. All right, guys, uh, we've been talking about, you know, some of the bigger stars in R&B, but, of course, we got to show love to the newer artists, Zeppelin. I know you're big on new R&B and just finding new talent. You know, who are you Absolutely. listening to right now? Yeah, um, so, and, and you actually, you mentioned, uh, no pun intended, her. Uh, you mentioned her uh, when, when we first started. So right now, um, I've I've had her, her album on... Uh, you know, on repeat constantly for the uh, for the last week um, or, or or since it dropped, man. So I'm I'm one of those people who, when I find something that I like, I kind of constantly stick with it until you know until I'm over it. So 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 the her album I'll say is for me right now the one that I've been constantly listening to. And how did you find that her album? Because the marketing campaign for that was kind of different, kind of weird, kind of unique. Tom yeah. Ed, uh, we talked about it for a bit, but just curious, Zeppelin, how did you find out about it? Yeah, and I was I was talking with Tom about this earlier this week, so I think that uh, we all have certain music blogs or places that we kind of go to in order to find new bodies of work, and, and, and you know I Got Soul for me is one of them. But And usually what I'll see on You Know I Got Soul, I won't see on some of my other uh, – Top blogs, you know. I don't want to pub, pub them up right now, you know, because you know, <laughs> so, so. I won't I won't fill out any names. But you know, there are some certain blogs where I don't expect to see the same content. And and when I did see the her album on both, you know, I got soul and the other uh, the other uh, you know media outlet, it it was surprising and intriguing to me. And so that right there, I was like, wow, these are my two favorite you know, media outlets are playing this. So because of that, and then also I saw some of the celebrity cosigns, which I'm not going to yep. lie, definitely um, it brings more attention to it. And so that that was it. I kind of uh, did that, went to SoundCloud, checked it out, and it was, uh, you know, my personal opinion. I thought it was an amazing body of work um, for, you know, it was a good body of work. Yeah. For me personally, like, I listened to it, Kind of reminds me of Brandy, um, mm. which you know it, it, that, that's a lot of the younger generation. A lot of them are inspired by Brandy. Sort of has a Drake vibe to it. Uh, maybe some some Janae on it as well. Uh, but I think the most important thing is she was able to execute all of that and still maintain the integrity in her vocals because she sounds yeah. amazing. Uh, um, so and Ed, I know you wrote I, Ed, I know you wrote a review on it. I did, and you know, as part of my little unspoken rule, I typically don't review EPs and mixtapes because they're just too many of them. And I feel like if I give 
and mixtape four stars, it's not the same weight as giving like a album four stars because an album I feel like should be judged differently. But this was just so good and so inspiring that I just had to write something. And it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite pieces of work so far of the year. It was it blew me away. It was out of nowhere. And I'm glad that a lot of the celebrity co-signs got it a little bit more traction and got it in front of a few more listeners. But to me, I was just happy to have a good, solid R&B product. And it shows that R&B can still be good and it can still be marketed toward younger people without throwing Future and Young Thug all over your album in in a shoddy attempt to appeal to younger ears. Just make good music, and I think people will come. Hey, you know what's pretty cool, Ed? Your review was actually picked up by Genius.com. Word. I, this is this is breaking news on the podcast. I didn't know I just, that. I just got the notification earlier. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Nice. What's up? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll i tell you how I found it about the album. So I was scrolling through my Instagram page, and our good friend Tyrese, who we all love, uh, posted about it on his Instagram, and let me tell you guys this. If Tyrese told me to eat dirt, I would probably do it. That's how big I am. <laughs> I'm just oh kidding. <laughs> but Tyrese, he's a man with 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 uh, with a lot of wise words. So I went on. I checked out the project. Um, and as I was doing that, I was scrolling through my Twitter as well. And you know what? I saw Wyclef tweeting about it. Alicia Keys tweeting about it. Um, the radio guy, Sway, I saw him tweeting about it. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Checked out the project, loved it, but started to really think about, okay, how, what's what's the marketing campaign behind this? Is it just a bunch of people co-signing on a project from somebody that no one knows about? And it was just a really interesting idea. Um, from And this came from a major label as well. And like like you guys already know, releases from a major label are as conventional as they can be, so... The yeah. marketing campaign behind this and the release, it's its interesting, but how do you, because, I mean, obviously we've seen the effect of it immediately, you know, it's a lot of fans have gravitated towards it. What's the long term of her and, and the marketing campaign behind it? You know, we haven't even seen her face yet. And see, this is where, and Tom and I talked about this a little bit, and you too, Kyle, this is where her, whoever she is, has to show and prove, because this, her campaign so far was a great way to get someone to listen to a project who otherwise wouldn't have listened to it because of the mystique. So what she needs to do, she can't hide behind that little silhouette all the time. When she comes out, she has to follow up with with even stronger material because she now has our ears. So now that she has that, which is step one, she has to really capitalize on that. So if she comes with a full album that is as good or preferably even better than what we heard, it's a star in the making. Like, a star will be born if she capitalized. Now, she come out with Young Thug in them and takes a step back, <laughs> then shot yourself in the foot because she has gotten a little bit of appeal right now. So it's And the, her, the audience who is appealing to her is that audience that is traditional, old school, just heart, bread and butter R&B. Those are the fans. So you have to continue to appeal to them to another level. If you try to back it up and try to go top 40 or you start bringing in the, the Bryson Tiller dudes, you're going to mess up. So she has our attention. If she follows through, it's going to be big. 
Yeah, now, I, I agree. I agree. Now, Tom, um, we know the identity of her, right? Of course. It's pretty so, obvious. Well, let me give you some backstory on, um, you know, because I was trying to do my research as I was <clears throat> listening to the album. So my good friend, uh, DJ Camper, who, you know, has supported us throughout the years on the website, I keep in touch with him, always try to find out what's going on. So obviously I texted him. I'm like, hey, I just listened to this Her project, heard your, you know, name on a couple of the songs, so I know you're involved with it. Can you give me some information on it? And DJ Camper's a cool dude. He'll normally give me the inside information, but for this one, he's just like, I can't tell you. It's a secret. And that just lets you know how serious they are about this project and the identity and the and I guess the gimmick behind it. But Tom, on on you know I got so and serial podcast today. Let's let's ruin the gimmick. Who is who is the the female behind the silhouette? Well, if you know what Gabby Wilson looks like, you could see the silhouette looks exactly like her. I mean, <laughs> that too. I didn't want to say that in a review, but I was kind of like, yeah. I mean. I'm sure most people are probably going to catch on at some point. I'm just curious, once she comes out with her first video, you know, I'm just curious how the unveiling is going to end, eventually turn out at this point, you know. When are they going to show her off, I guess? But And then what is the, like, oh, I remember her. <laughs> like, <laughs> we saw her a couple of years ago at the BET Awards or whatever that was. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. What if they do What What if they do it like how they did in wrestling with Mick Foley? You'll have Mankind, you'll, like, you'll have Dude Love, and you'll have Cactus Jack. Wow. <laughs> so, you'll come wow. out with a uh, mask, mask on? With a mask. <laughs> yep, with Mr. Socko. Oh, and then you'll have Gabby Wilson with the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll have another gimmick. <laughs> I'm ready. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, yep, Tom, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I know we're running out of time, but definitely, I got one more question for you I want to get your perspective on since you represent the younger generation here early 20s you know a lot of people our age and older say R&B is dead you know it's never coming back whatever what what is your perspective on R&B right now and how do you see it yeah yeah so um I think that everything in music evolves right so Obviously, the people I would imagine in the the 90s who came up in the 60s and the 70s were like, what is this music that you all are playing? This is not R&B at all, right? Like, this is a bunch of either samples or a bunch of people crooning or, you know, there's too much hip-hop in it. You know, they're not singing about love enough, right? So I think that to them, R&B had died in the 90s, which we would potentially see as the golden years of R&B. And so right now, I think that we're kind of in a similar space in the sense that, yes, will will R&B ever return to its, you know, form of that it was in the the 90s? Absolutely not. I don't think, but I don't think that we can expect it to because music is always evolving. Um, I do think that there are certain topics that R&B is going to have to get back to and there's a certain level of vulnerability that R&B is going to have to get back to if it does want to uh, uh, remain and if it does want to kind of be a 
a forefront within the culture, but uh, I, I don't think that we're ever going to get back to that that period or that you know that warm fuzzy feeling era of uh, of R and B. I think that it's just going to manifest itself into something else and kind of uh, you know kind of keep going. I will say though, um, great point that you made about the evolution of R and B because I'm an old head and I was around in the nineties. And yes, when Jodeci and that crew dropped. Oh, yeah. and they were singing over those hip hop beats. People were like, "This is an R and B." And of course, me? now we would like go crazy to hear that. But my older family members were like, "This is an R and B. This is a rap. These dudes are rapping over the beat." I think the difference between then and today, though, is that we are actually back then we saw a diverse palette of R and B. So you would have the Jodeci doing the hip hop beats. Then you would have more traditional R&B, and then you would see more experimentation and then the stuff with Neil Soul later on, whereas mm. right now the only thing on the radio is the Bryson, Timble, Bryson Tiller mumbling R&B stuff. So what I want to see is more diversity in the game and have something that can be an incubator for more different sounds instead of being force-fed one sound of R&B. I I agree, and this is kind of to the, the point I was speaking to earlier about, uh, you know, not necessarily only validating radio as the only method of distribution or prime uh, supreme distribution for the music. You know, I think that the, the larger that we see some of these streaming platforms get and the more integrated they get into the culture and society is when I think that we'll kind of be able to get into more of that diversity because, you know, radio has lost a lot of its flavor, a lot of its swag, and, you know, they're kind of they're kind of forced to play a set number of songs. And so naturally, they're going to play what they think the young kids want to hear. However, the spinoff is that, you know, we have other forms of distribution in 2016. And I think that the larger that those grow and the more impactful those become in the culture, I think that... uh you know, we'll start to see some of those other things. Hmm. Well, let's just hope that her can save the genre. I mean, you never know. New Sabot going to save the genre. Look at that. Oh. Uh-huh. So, Zeppelin, um, this is the last segment of our podcast. I want to thank you again for joining us. But oh, the last segment of the You're podcast fine. is... Is uh, so you're gonna take out the R&B from your mind right now. We're gonna talk about food, right? Because we all love, for as much as we we all love R&B, we all love food as well. I think we can I all agree. I don't on like. That. I honestly don't like food that much. Just so you know. No, oh. no. That's the problem with this segment. <laughs> but you will see that very soon. Okay, guys. So we've always talked about different types of food, stuff that we like. I'm gonna flip it on you guys. So we all love family, right? Yep. We love, you know, yes, yes, we all love family. So name a dish from one of your family members whenever they make it where you're just like, I want nothing to do with this. Oh, my God. I think we're going to get a couple of people in trouble with this, but let's do this. Zeppelin, you're up. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Somebody else has got to go first. All right, let me go. I'll go first. All right. I'll go first. And you don't have to call him out uh, whoever mom, makes it, but <laughs> but mom, yeah, it would be funny. If you're listening, mom, I apologize. <laughs> but your meatloaf wasn't very good, and I hated every time it was served on the dinner table. Oh, Ben, 
Okay. Coleslaw is not supposed to be green. I don't know what you ate. So, yeah, that's all bad. <laughs> all right, guys, I think that's going to wrap up this podcast. A great discussion. Definitely want to thank you again for joining us on this. We definitely need to, need to have you on here some more so we can find out more about your more about your allergies and, and stuff like that. But, uh, <laughs> um, uh, quickly, Zeppelin, I know you're part of an, you're doing an R&B showcase in D.C. right now. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So so briefly, uh, the show is uh, it's entitled Neo-Age Live, um, and what we try to do is really just present a, a premier platform in the D.C. area for a lot of rising national and local acts. So, uh, you know, we've had... Uh, some really great artists that, uh, you know, I enjoy who are really dope, you know, R&B musicians, everybody from us, from national people like V. Bozeman and, and Avery Wilson to more local people who I believe are, you know, have a potential chance to really make some waves in the scene like Risa Renee. Uh, also, we've had Aaron Camper as well. So uh, we've had some, some really dope people kind of, um, you know, performed. It was very extremely inspired by the uh by the soul village uh you know showcase that happens at SOBs that you know I got soul is um you know a part of so you know we've been we've been rocking out and doing that we've been at the the historic hour theater in DC um presenting it but uh you know really just kind of trying to push the R&B culture moving forward and highlight a lot of you know dope talented rising artists and uh letting them know that they have a home as well as letting fans know that there's a place where they can still go and hear you know amazing talent dope Ed, soul and stereo soul dot com oh by the way before we get into what you want to plug in i just want to say i read your uh your article on as yet and yeah. the, the 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 where are they now article if you guys haven't read it, that is by far the funniest thing I've read this year. So you guys should definitely check it out. <laughs> well, for those of you out there who have read and have not read it, go to solarstereo.com, check out As Yet, see what's going on with the crew. Like I said, we heard from a family member of Mark Nelson who apparently says he's not in the group anymore. And if you've read the article, you know how hilarious that is because the article talks about the revolving door of members. So. Just check it out, see what's going on there. And, of course, if you haven't read the reviews of Usher and Her, you can find both of those on you know I got soul.com. Nice. Tom, you know I got soul. We've done a couple of interviews. We interviewed After 7. We've interviewed Marcus Houston, who, you know, for people out there, uh, Marcus Houston is now a Jehovah's Witness, which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, that was big news. Yeah, well, I had a chance to talk to him, and he didn't just his – Overall, to me, it's a little, you know, he's very much calm, very to himself, um, which is kind of cool. So, uh, congrats to Marcus Houston. Tom, what else do we have going on? Um, Not too much. Um, just continuing to roll with staying on top of this new music, supporting these artists. Hoping we have more good releases this year. It's been a slow year. Hopefully, we can find 100 good songs for our list this year. I'm not sure, but... We'll see what the last quarter brings us. Damn. And we'll finish it off with this. Usher released Hard to Love. We've been ragging him for about the last 20 podcasts. Are we done with that now since he's put out the album, or is this going to continue? No, it's going to continue. It's going to continue. <laughs> All right, that is fair. All right, guys, this is Kyle here. I'm signing out. Got Tom, got Ed, got Zeppelin with me, and we are out. Peace.
We out. All right.